Welcome back to Jay's Talk. I'm Blake Murphy with you for a half hour here as we break down yet another Toronto Blue Jays spring training victory. This one, eight to six at home in Dunedin against the Baltimore Orioles. You got a double and a triple from Santiago Espinal. You get a homer from George Springer, a homer from Morelvis Martinez. A couple of good innings to start from Chris Bassett. Third inning got away from him a little bit. Not only called for a balk, uh, needed a couple disengagements in the same plate appearance, uncorked a wild pitch later in that plate appearance. Ended up giving th- giving up three earned on four hits and a walk over three innings. Uh, still more positive than not, though. Five strikeouts in that one. Um, he got nine swing and misses on 27 swings overall. So that's a whiff rate of about 33%. Uh, that's Pretty good. It was especially good with the sinker. I was funny watching how StatCast was classifying his pitches throughout the game. He only threw 61. So you'd think maybe he's dropping off one of his pitches uh, somewhere in there to, to just focus on a few. No. StatCast clocked him for seven different pitches thrown. He told Chris Bassett told Eno Saris of the Athletic uh, before the game that he actually throws eight right now, not seven. In this case, he either ditched one or StatCast disagreed and only gave him credit for seven. Um, This is the third time we've seen Chris Bassett this spring. He went 27 pitches, then 42 pitches, and 61 pitches today. Um, I think he's pretty firmly in the just working on stuff phase now and is fairly well ramped up. Want to get to some notes on Trevor Richards, who had a very interesting... uh, performance today as well but before we do that just a reminder you can text us at 590 590 if you have comments or questions you can also give us a call 416-870-0590 or 888-666-0590 or just hit star 590 on your mobile um we have one call already and so but yeah before we turn to trevor richards let's talk about that chris bassett start it's eddie from fort erie eddie how are you man Good, Blake. How are you today? I am doing excellent. You know what? This is the best time of the year for me. You know, <laughs> not only am I watching uh, spring training baseball, but I'm watching the WBC right now, and uh, I love it. You know, this is great. I'm I'm in baseball heaven right now. Yeah, the WBC's been been unbelievable. We actually saw earlier today while that Jays game was going on, Yadier Molina with his first career uh, managerial win. We saw a good Stroman performance. Julio Urias yeah. going a couple perfect innings. You're right, mm-hmm. man. This is a day to just flip through all the baseball that's on. Yeah, and I can't wait for Canada's first game tomorrow. It's going to be great. Now, I want to talk about Chris Bassett's start because um, I I saw like you know like like his pitches today were unbelievable. I mean, one of those pitches that he threw to strike out uh, Gunnar Henderson in the first inning to strike him out. My God, I I just literally got out of my seat. I mean, that was a sick pitch to get him out of. It is so cool to watch him pitch. And you know what, Blake? I don't know if anybody has ever mentioned this to anybody, but like on the air or among the people that, you know, that work with, with the Blue Jays and all that. But I kind of see a lot of Chris Bassett and Kevin Gossman as far as making the hitters uncomfortable and a lot of the different pitches that they both have to get batters out. And I, I know Bassett's got more pitch selection than um, Gossman does, but I just see a lot of similarities to those two guys. And it's so great to watch. It, it, I mean, it's going to be great to watch both of them, uh, like probably back to back. Uh, in the rotation uh, this year, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And Eddie, thanks so much for the call. It's funny you make the Gosman comparison because I just mentioned, you know, eight pitches that Bassett's working on. Normally the one he didn't throw today was the splitter. So uh, maybe we'll see that uh, in another start from him as well. You'll also notice, by the way, um, at times during spring and early in the season, you're going to start hearing the term sweeper 
a lot more. So generally we think of the uh, horizontal break pitches as, as cutter and slider. Um, well, Statcast is now classifying some as a sweeper as well, which is it's thrown closer to a slider in terms of velocity, but it has more of a cutter movement to it. Uh, that is something that Chris Bassett throws through a couple of them today uh, to Eddie's point about some of the swing and miss stuff. Again, nine swing and misses on just 27 swings. Uh, also 10 balls fouled off. So they were having trouble squaring up much of anything uh, in this one against Chris Bassett until again, late in that third inning there. Um, before we get to more calls and texts, I do, I do want to highlight the Trevor Richards performance. Now, May uh, full disclosure. I have in the past been a bit of a Trevor Richards skeptic. Not sure. I fully believe the, he can get lefties out to the extent that, uh, you know, a more traditional loogie can back when uh, those things were allowed. And I also don't know that, you know, relying on a guy with a 534 ERA last year to be one of your best swing and miss options was particularly a great idea or particularly sustainable. Now, Having said that, one weapon Trevor Richards unquestionably has is that lethal changeup. And we saw it a bunch today. He threw 12 of them. He got seven swings on them, four swing and misses. So uh, a bunch of whips on it and then a couple of ground balls as well. Richards had a pretty good uh, appearance overall. And I want to highlight that changeup, not just for the the whiffs today and the, and the ground balls that it got, but we had mentioned on fan drive time, myself and Ben Ennis a little earlier in the week, and we haven't gotten to go deep on this yet. And I, at the risk of getting too nerdy in spring training, there are a couple of new metrics available at fan graphs. And one of them is something we've talked about a lot over the last couple of years. And it's this stuff plus metric that Eno Saras at the athletic has um, developed and honed over the years. He was a regular guest on Jay's talk plus last year, going over some of that stuff, what goes into it. Um, we don't need to get into the mechanics of that metric. And we certainly don't need to get into the mechanics of pitch bot, which is the other new fan graphs metric. However, those metrics, which are more individual pitch focused, um, you know, when we hear about things like FIP or Sierra, things like that, those are looking at the outcomes a pitcher has and trying to project forward what they might do in the future. What Eno's stuff metric and what this pitch bot metric are trying to do are figure out how good each individual pitch is and then build a pitcher projection from there. Now, what those two metrics say is what your eyes probably tell you. And certainly what your eyes told you today is that despite middling results overall, Trevor Richards has a really, really good changeup. So um, stuff plus is not quite as robust as the pitch bot on, on Richards changeup. It has him at number 40 among 161 pitchers who threw enough changeups to qualify last year. That's still pretty good. That's a top quarter of the league. If you have a weapon that good and you throw gas, that's a pretty good one two mix. We know that last year um, when batters swung at Richard's changeup, they swung and missed almost 50% of the time. They only hit 179 against it. Um, it was a very effective pitch pitch bot. This other new metric at Fangraphs would go so far as to say that, Trevor Richards had the best changeup in baseball last year, with the exception of Devin Williams, who might have the best changeup ever, period. Uh, I'm not sure, like, like no disrespect to Marco Estrada or Ross Stripling, but Devin Williams throws that changeup a ton, and no one ever makes any kind of contact with it. Well, this one new metric at Fangraphs, it was designed by someone who now works in the Philadelphia Phillies front office. Um, number two changeup in baseball behind Devin Williams. So, uh, 
good to continue to watch the success Richards is having on that changeup. No, he has not had the best spring training results overall so far, uh, but it's spring training. We do, we tend not to look a ton at actual outcomes. We want to see more about the process. We want to see how those pitches look. We want to see uh, pitch design and, and when you're using them and your confidence in them. And I think unquestionably Trevor Richards changeup is in the place it needs to be. We'll see now if he can round out uh, the rest of that pitch repertoire looking ahead to those final roster decisions. It does look like Trevor Richards is, is probably pretty safe for a roster spot right now. We haven't seen Mitch white in game action yet. He did throw live BP uh, to Vlad Guerrero jr. Alejandro Kirk and Brandon belt the other day. So he's maybe inching closer to getting into game action, but it seems at this stage, like Mitch white could open the season on the IL. What that would do is uh, take Trevor Richards from a probably going to make the roster to almost certainly going to make the roster among all of the bullpen options. Trevor Richards is one of the few uh, who doesn't have options, so he can't be sent down to the minors without exposing him to waivers. I think that gives him a leg up on a Zach Pop or a Trent Thornton uh, or any of these non-roster invitees, some of whom have looked uh, pretty good in their opportunities. Um, My guess is Zach Pop is the one who benefits from Mitch White starting the season on the IL if he does do that. Um, but you're also going to see Nate Pearson make a case. Yosfer Zulueta, um, Zach Thompson, and Thomas Hatch have been up and down, but shown in little glimpses uh, what they're in the mix here for. So that was on the pitching side today. One more note on those new metrics. And again, we'll get into the more on fan drive time at some point when Jay's talk plus comes back. We'll, we'll get into this more as well uh, in a form where we can get a little nerdier. But today, all I'll say is that both of those metrics, which are trying to project forward and, and trying to take a more holistic look at what goes into a pitcher's performance instead of just the outcomes. Well, PitchBot has the Blue Jays with four of the top 30 pitcher starting pitchers in baseball uh, in Kevin Gosman, Alec Manoa, Chris Bassett, and Jose Barrios. A lot of remaining confidence there in Jose Barrios. Once again, stuff plus not quite as robust, uh, but still four top 55 starting pitchers for the Blue Jays. Jose Barrios grades a little lower there. Um, take that stuff with a grain of salt. Of course, if all of the pitches were working all that well, Chris Bassett probably wouldn't have been available at the price he was available at, um, even with a strong ERA. And Jose Barrios certainly wouldn't have had the results that he had. But there is a, a good amount of faith in the top four in the Blue Jays rotation to be very successful this year and to be one of the uh, better balanced rotations in all of baseball, assuming health. You've also, of course, had Yusei Kikuchi, kind of the story of spring training so far for this Blue Jays team. Um, We'll hit on some of the hitting performances that we saw today. Um, Brandon Belt making his Blue Jays debut. Addison Barger getting uh, an interesting opportunity that's been uncommon for him so far in his career. And Aurelvis Martinez hitting uh, another home run. Before we get into the hitter side, though, uh, we'll take a break here. And a reminder, you can text us at 590 or give us a call at 888 or star 590 on your mobile. We'll be back in a minute as Jay's talk continues on Sports at 590, the fan. Welcome back to Jay's talk. I'm Blake Murphy. Blue Jays win eight, six against the Baltimore Orioles as spring continues. Uh, yeah, we're still a couple of weeks away from regular season action. We're only a day away from Canada getting going in the world baseball classic with three Blue Jays players on their roster. One of whom 
is competing for that 26th roster spot. We saw very briefly Nathan Lucas today. We saw Addison Barger playing in right field today as the Jays look to continue to find potential different paths for him to uh, contribute, whether it's this year or in the future, which sets us up nicely for a question from Brian in Toronto. Brian says with the potential crowd in the middle infield of Biggio, Merrifield, Espinal, multi-position players, uh, do I see this affecting Nathan Lucas's potential of making the team or, or could there possibly be uh, some sort of roster balancing trade in the mix, like another lefty in the bullpen? Uh, thanks for the question, Brian. I think you're there. There's at least something there. And Nathan Lucas being left-handed last year would have seemed like the best thing in the world for his chances. It now seems kind of like the worst thing for his chances. Um, you are of course against the right-handed starter going to be starting two left-handed outfielders. Most days in Kevin Kiermaier and Dalton Varsho. I'd imagine if you're facing a left-handed starter, probably one of those guys starts and Whit Merrifield moves into left field. Um, to be a, an extra right-handed bat in the lineup while Santiago Espinal man second base. And then you have Kevin Biggio who played first base today, but has gotten some right field reps in this spring and looked pretty good doing it. And that's another guy who not only is left-handed, but has some uh, positional versatility and can man that corner outfield. So if you're trying to look at, well, where are the scenarios where you'd even use your 26th man? We're thinking back to last year that Bradley Zimmer saw like a hundred plate appearances over the course of the year. He was basically just a late game defensive replacement and occasional pinch runner. Um, the Jays carried a third catcher for stretches of the season. And, and that player was very rarely used. Um, so I don't know that that's going to be a big role. Now for Nathan Lucas, what that role would probably look like is strictly a pinch runner an outfield injury replacement and maybe the odd day where one of the outfielders is getting uh, a rest and you don't want to use Kevin Biggio or Whit Merrifield in the outfield for whatever reason. Having laid that out, I think Otto Lopez has a more compelling case at this moment for that 26 man spot. Him being right-handed probably won't come up a ton because again, that 26 man spot is probably not going to start very many games or, or be asked to pinch hit very often with how deep the Blue Jays hitters are. Uh, but Otto Lopez can, in addition to playing all three outfield spots like Nathan Lucas, also fill in in a pinch at a couple of the infield spots. Um, so there's a little bit more versatility there. The other part of the answer here, Brian, is that at some point, guys will get hurt. Had Brandon Belt, um, you know, who made his debut today, had that recovery from injury lingered into the start of the season. Well, that's a path to Nathan Lucas having a, an opening day role and maybe getting George Springer a few extra DH reps or, or him getting some DH reps himself. Um, Shai Davidi was on with us on fan drive time yesterday and said it's possible that 26 man job is eventually someone who's not even on the roster right now, whether it's, uh, you know, one of the roster shuffling moves you mentioned or claiming someone off waivers, trading for someone who wasn't going to make uh, a major league roster elsewhere. Perhaps it's something that gets dealt with closer to the trade deadline. I'd say for right now, this is a, you know, to, to use a Marlowe. Uh, it's one of them good problems where you have a couple guys who have a pretty compelling case for the 26th spot, uh, all of whom are optionable and can go down to the minors. So you don't have to risk losing that um, organizational depth like you might on the on the reliever side at some point. Um, you have, in addition to Lucas and Otto Lopez, 
Addison Barger, who again, played some right field today. The second time this spring, we've seen him in a corner outfield spot. That's not something he's done um, very regularly. And then there's, uh, I don't think the Jays are going this way. Alejandro Kirk faced uh, live BP the other day. It sounds like he's going to get into a game sometime soon, um, which would ostensibly give him enough time to, to ramp up in time for the season opener. Um, but it's also, it's always possible that a third catcher is in the mix so that you can um, use Kirk or Jansen as the DH a little more freely, a little more often. Um, that would probably be a Rob Brantley taking that spot. I don't think that's the case for right now, but I think it's great that they have uh, a lot of these options um, Daniel asks how the pitch clock would impact the games this season. Uh, I think we're seeing it a little bit. I think you're seeing uh, stolen base attempts are way up, which is great. That has a little bit to do with the bases, a little bit to do with base runners trying to figure out how they can time pitchers better uh, with the clock. And, you know, we saw an instance today where it goes poorly for Chris Bassett. He's used his two uh, disengagements in a plate appearance, wants to pick off, wants to just kind of step off the mound and give the runner a look. And then he uncorks a wild pitch. So that's going to be one of those things, Daniel, where we maybe can't even quantify it. We maybe can't even, you know, draw a direct line from A to B. But yeah, if a base runner feels a little more, strategic or feels a little more free to test the pitcher and try to bait out those disengagements that you're allowed during a plate appearance to help the hitter or, or to free them up to, you know, take an extra half step on their lead or something like that. And then the pitcher is off his game or throws a wild pitch, maybe misses his spot a little bit. That's not going to be stuff that's easy to capture, but it's going to be stuff that's really fun uh, to watch and talk to not just pitchers about, but fascinated to talk to uh, a Kevin Kiermaier type or a Whit Merrifield type Whit Merrifield, who has a 40 stolen base season, not that long in the past. Um, who's maybe going to get the green light to run a little bit more. A guy like Kevin Biggio, who doesn't have lightning speed, but is a really good base runner. Um, those are the kind of guys I'm curious to hear how they see it playing out and how they've felt in spring training uh, once they're back this way. And we can chat with them uh, a little bit more. Brandon Belt did debut today. Uh, I think the headline item from Brandon Belt's performance was that he's still using Say It Ain't So by Weezer as his walk-up song. So if you were, uh, you know, trying to plan your your opening day, I don't know, your playlist, I guess is the word I was looking for there. Uh, you'll probably hear, you know, the usuals in a couple of those spots. But yeah, get ready for some Weezer uh, from Brandon Belt. He also had a double and a walk. Is a little anticlimactic. I know Brandon Belt, part of the draw is the plate discipline and, and how smart the approach is at the plate. His very first plate appearance in a Blue Jay uniform, and he he takes a walk. It's a little, little anticlimactic, but then he ends up uh, with a double as well off of Austin Voth a little later. He also joined uh, Ben Wagner, Joe Siddle, and Hazel May on the television broadcast for uh, a very brief conversation because that was a quick three-up, three-down inning while he was on there. I mentioned off the top as well, a uh, good game for Santiago Espinal. He had a double and a triple. Uh, the triple was maybe kind scoring from the scorekeepers. It, it was kind of a, a shallow liner in the right field and, and a diving catch attempt whiffed, and he was able to get the third. But what we're seeing here is uh, a bit of a pattern from Santiago Espinal this spring. Uh, he came into today's game, small samples, of course, uh, noisy 22, 25 plate appearances, but he had a 636 spring slugging coming into today and then had a double and a triple. Uh, he had a 370 slugging percentage last spring training, and that was 
you know, that's not a, a very high number, but when he then started the season kind of hot and you looked back at how he closed 2021 and you saw a bit of a trend of him showing more power that went away as pitchers figured him out last year. And he kind of went from being a, a literally being an all-star to, to being a bench piece by the end of the year. Uh, really nice to see that power back a little bit earlier this year. Uh, we've also seen that from Aralvis Martinez, who hit his second homer of spring today. Not particularly surprising that he showed that power. Not particularly surprising that there were a couple pitches in that plate appearance that maybe you, you know, if we're going through the, the pitch, the swing decision tree that the Jays go through kind of their version of doing film work with the hitter afterward. Maybe there are some swings that shouldn't be swings there. He also took a slider middle high uh, over the fence for a pretty no doubter uh, home run. So always nice to see that. And that makes up for uh, a lot of things when you have that kind of power. Curious to see where Aurelvis starts this year, whether he repeats at double A where he did set the franchise record uh, for the New Hampshire Fisher cats in home runs last year, while being one of the very youngest players in the league, you could certainly look at that and say, yeah, he's ready for triple a. Uh, he also had a sub 300 OBP and continued to draw criticisms into late in the year for his general all or nothing approach at the plate uh, could certainly see the justification for him repeating at double a, at least to start uh, to show that he's made those gains in terms of uh, operating an entire plate appearance and not just looking for the home run ball uh, in the interim though. Home runs are fun uh, around baseball today. We saw Yadier Molina get his first win as a manager as Puerto Rico got their tournament opening victory in the world baseball classic. We saw a pretty emotional moment where Randy Rosarena suiting up for Mexico, which was kind of his sanctuary home after he left Cuba, um, seemed very touched by that moment, getting on base for them. Uh, we saw the Dominican Republic's lineup uh, for a seven o'clock game tonight against Venezuela, where Sandy Alcantara will start on the mound. Uh, just a ridiculous Dominican Republic lineup, even without Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in there. That one should be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the United States in action tonight against Great Britain with Adam Wainwright on the hill against old friend Vance Worley. Uh, and Colombia and Mexico tied at three right now in the bottom of the six. I'm actually looking at Rowdy Tellez up at the plate right now. And then, of course, Canada gets their tournament going tomorrow at 3 p.m. against Great Britain. Cal Quantrill on the hill for Canada. So you got a nice little Sunday lined up for tomorrow. Uh, you can have the Jays game on for a bit. You can have the Canada game on for a bit. You can kind of click around. Uh, you've also got the Leafs in action tonight against the Edmonton Oilers on Sportsnet television. Uh, pretty loaded weekend. If you're a sports fan, if you're a baseball fan, which of course you are, because you're listening to Jay's talk. Uh, this has been Jay's talk. I've been Blake Murphy getting uh, my first spring reps in ahead of Jay's talk plus returning later this summer. Fun one. Jay's win eight, six. We'll talk to you again soon. And we'll be back on sports at five ninety uh, for the Jay's game tomorrow. Have a great weekend, everyone.